Hey, powerhouse. I have a very special invitation just for you. I would love to invite you to the Powerhouse Lawyers Retreat happening September 27th through October 1st in beautiful Ocean Isle, North Carolina. The Powerhouse Lawyers Retreat is a life-changing experience that every single woman in law not only deserves, but needs. It's a four-night getaway in a luxurious oceanfront home with all of your needs taken care of in a house full of other powerhouse women who want the exact same things as you. It's more than a mastermind and more than a community and more than just networking connections. Powerhouse Lawyers Retreat is like nothing that's ever been done before in the legal profession. The only words that I can come up with to describe it are life-changing. And if you don't believe me, just ask any of the past attendees who describe it as lightning in a bottle. One of the best experiences of their life, changing the entire trajectory of their career and a solid differentiation point between life before and after the retreat. One thing is for sure, your life and you will never be the same. So come join us September 27th through October 1st in Ocean Isle Beach, North Carolina. Spots are limited, so go grab yours. Head on over to eringuerner.com slash powerhouse hyphen lawyer hyphen retreat. See you there. Are you an ambitious attorney who wants to build a life and career that you cannot wait to wake up for? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Powerhouse Lawyers, a podcast for the powerhouse in each of us. I'm your host, Erin Gurner, a former lawyer, wife, mom, and life coach. And I am on a mission to empower women in the law to define success on their terms by leveraging their unique superpowers to help them win in both law and life. Join me each week to hear inspiring stories, real talk, and the practical tips you need to redefine the toxic narratives that are keeping women overwhelmed trying to do it all. You are worthy and capable of building a life and career that you have always wanted, and I'm here to empower you along the way. So if you're ready to practice law differently, Let's go. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Powerhouse Lawyers podcast. I'm your host, Erin Gurner. And today I am so excited to have a very special guest with us. I am so thrilled to have my friend and fellow powerhouse attorney, Molly Huff, on the show. I'm excited for you guys to get to know her because I think she's fabulous in all the things. But we are going to be chatting about a topic that I think intimidates a lot of lawyers. Like it's very overwhelming and a lot of lawyers don't like to do it, say they are not good at it. And that is building a book of business, networking. They don't know how to do it. They're intimidated by it, but they know that they need to do it to be a successful lawyer, to build a successful practice. And so I'm so excited to have Molly on the show today because she is going to give us her tips and tricks and um, really just share with us why this is not only important to build a book of business, but especially for women, why that is so critical. So welcome to the show, Molly. 
Thank you so much, Erin. I am so pleased to be here. It's been so fun to connect with you. And obviously I'm a big admirer of yours and just love what you're doing and your big retreat coming up. And I don't know if that'll be already done and over with by the time this airs, but either way, it's been fun to watch you and connect with you. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. So before we get started and we hear a little bit more about you, I am just going to tell our audience a little bit more about who you are. So Molly is a practicing lawyer and she is also the founder of the Juris Consult Institute. And she is on a mission to teach thousands of women attorneys how to build a book of business because women have been excluded from the law firm structures for long enough. A lack of training and development should not be a barrier for women succeeding in this profession. She uplifts the women she works with through her six-part framework that she teaches in both a one-on-one environment and in an eight-week associate mastermind that is focused on community and connection. I love that so much. (laughs) And lastly, this is what I'm really excited that she's doing too. Um, As someone who's having the retreat, she is the host of The Coaching Kitchen, where she is disrupting stale legal events. Through this event, she hosts female attorneys in a done-for-you dinner party experience while getting coached on the topic of the evening. So I like slow golf clap for that. I am so, I just love it, love it, love it. So Molly, again, welcome to the show. So I would love to for our audience to get to know you a little bit better. What brought you to the law? Why did you go to law school? And how did you end up doing what you're doing today? Yeah, those are all great questions. And thanks for the intro. So I was someone who never in a million years thought I was going to be a lawyer. Like I was not that person that at age five, I was like, I'm going to be a lawyer and this is my career path. And I know what I'm going to do with for the rest of my life. I grew up nowhere near lawyers. That was not our circle. That was not who I was involved with or connected to or anything like that. So it wasn't even a possibility for me growing up, really. And so as I started to, you know, go through college and after I graduated, I was in that classic, like, unfortunately, white woman phase where it was like, I'm going to save everybody. And this is my life's mission. So sorry about that, everyone. We're growing and learning. And so I worked at a nonprofit and I thought this is going to be my life's work. Ended up hating it, hated the experience, even though I thought that's what I was working towards all through college. And so once I was in that experience, I got to go to a program where I was a young woman's delegate at the UN for two years. And I got to advocate for women's rights um, from a faith perspective and do all of really cool things. And so through that, every single person I met, Erin, was a lawyer or a states person who was a lawyer before that. (laughs) And so it's so powerful being around other people and like being in rooms with people who are just living these big lives. And that was the first time that had really happened to me. And so these like possibilities in my brain started to open up about what I could actually do. And so I came home from those two years at the UN and was like, crap, I think I got to go to law school. (laughs) And so this is how little I knew about law school, too, is I reached out to a professor in my undergrad and I said, I didn't study pre-law. Can I still go to law school? And she, of course, laughed at me and was like, yes, you can go to law school. (laughs) Um, But that's just how little I knew because it just wasn't my circle. It wasn't my world. It wasn't what I was involved in. So it was a big leap, but I knew that I had to find the difference between being personally fulfilled and professionally fulfilled. And I think working in the nonprofit space, I was incredibly personally fulfilled, but I was not professionally fulfilled. And I think that's what law school was going to give me the platform to do was to go find, you know, my own niche in this really fast paced, 
intellectually challenging world. And so anyway, so I went to law school. Um, through law school, I was always the person that was never going to be the appellate lawyer. <laughs> you know, I wasn't the straight A student by any means, but I knew that my time to shine was going to come after law school because I just knew that I had a lot of skills that weren't taking tests. So anyway, so through that whole experience, I landed a job through OCI went through this big process of I'm selling my soul to the firms. Is this really what I want to do with my life? But the paycheck's really nice. And I got into the firm and I ended up loving it. Really enjoyed the process. And then I quickly realized after that, after graduation and starting to work full-time at this firm, that I was much more interested in business development and the business of law than I wasn't actually practicing law. Like as I was talking to my coworkers, they loved the law. Like they wanted to be in on these cases and work these hard issues. And I was like, I just want to go get business. <laughs> like I want to go get business and then hand you the case. Like that's what I would like to go do. And so, you know, I worked at a few different firms and through all of it, you know, had some really early on success with business development and then came to the conclusion that this isn't going away. Like this love of business development needs to be taught to everyone else because we're not taught how to do it. It's not that we don't that we can't, that we're not capable. We just don't know how. So that's my long-winded way of saying all of that built up to where I am today, where I finally just said, I care so deeply about empowering and uplifting women in a very practical way, right? So I wanted a very practical way to put money into women's hands, to put control into women's hands, autonomy into women's hands, generosity into women's hands, and this is the way that I knew that my skills could do that. And so I just said, I just got to start. So I started and here I am. That is absolutely incredible. That is such an amazing story. And I think what I love about that most is maybe you're unique in the fact because I resonated so much with your story, like same thing, like didn't have any lawyers in my family, yeah. but I went to law school for very different reasons. Like you went out and you surrounded yourself about what was possible in the law. And I went to law school not knowing anything about the law or having like any experience around lawyers. And it's just so important about putting yourself in the room and how you had the foresight to do that at such a young age before you went to law school, because I yeah. assume that that has served you very well in this profession, because I loved the practice of law because going out and getting business scared the hell out of me, frankly. So what do you think the difference is there? Like, why was that always? your first passion? Is it because you saw what was possible so early on? How did that manifest for you? Yeah, I think I've always been an entrepreneur. And what I mean by that is that I've always been a problem solver. So I thought that for a long time, the way that I wanted to problem solve was by helping people with their legal issues. And there's lots of ways to be a problem solver. And I just fell on the side that was more like, man, my heart hurts for all of these women that are being excluded from these tables because they don't have a book of business. And that's crappy. Like, I don't want to use a curse word on your podcast. But, oh, it's but okay. That, Wait, it's okay. I get to make the rules. It's okay. okay if you say okay. a couple of cuss like, words. I, I said yeah. in the beginning, we're going to have real talk. So it's okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. Perfect. Like that's just shitty. And it's not because these women are not capable and competent and just as passionate. We just have different challenges, right? And I think, 
you know, part of my mission of training thousands of women attorneys to build a book of business is I truly believe that is one of the most powerful ways we can change this profession. We talk all the time about changing this profession and we know what needs to be done. There isn't this like huge search going on right now about what needs to be done in the legal profession. We know what needs to be done. It's just a matter of getting the right people in place to do it. And this is the one way that I can help. And this was the problem I wanted to solve. And I love working with lawyers who are so passionate about their clients because that just wasn't me. It truly was more of this, like, I just wanted to go out and get the business, you know? And so it really translated into what's going to be sustainable for me long-term. And what was sustainable for me long-term was solving this problem for the women around me. I guess my next question would be twofold. Why do you think lawyers struggle with this so much? And why do you think women in particular struggle with this so much? Yeah, those are great questions. Lawyers in general struggle with this because we were never taught how, and there was never an expectation explained to us that this is what needed to occur to be in positions of power, leadership, have control, have autonomy, and to make more money than the financial ceiling that your employer sets for you, right? So none of that was explained to us. None of it was taught to us. All law school, and there's a laundry list of things that law school doesn't teach us, right? But this is a big one. And so when I went into practice, I almost had this like culture shock of, oh, this is what I need to be doing to get to partnership. <laughs> like, I thought I just needed to be a good lawyer. And for a lot of firms, that's good, right? Like you can become partner and do that, but to become an equity partner or, you know, to really have some of the seats at these certain tables, that's what you have to do. So I think that's the big fear is like, we weren't taught how, and because we're perfectionist lawyers, type A lawyers, we want to do everything well and right. And all that needs to happen is a little bridge to be built, to learn how to do that and to do it well and to do it right. So that's the first piece. The second piece is women in particular. Again, we have different challenges than men do, right? Like I forget who said this and maybe you know, but there's this saying that I could accomplish so much if I had a wife at home. (laughs) You know, like I could be so much more successful if I had a wife at home. And that's just to say that we are still carrying so much of the at-home work, Even at work, we're doing like the household chores, even at work, right? We're organizing the parties. We're doing more pro bono work. We're serving on committees for free. There's just lots that goes into that. And so I think for women, the problem then becomes how on earth do I fit one more thing into my schedule? And that is valid. And I want to never take away from that. But again, there's little bridges that can be built to say, let's find a way to fit this into what you're already doing. And let's find ways to actually save you some time here by just doing this really strategically and really intentionally rather than this like, I don't know, this partner asked me to go to this networking event. And I said, yes, because I felt like I had to. And even though none of my ideal clients are going to be there and I'm going to walk away with a bunch of shallow conversations and totally wasted my time for two hours, three hours, really, if you're commuting or whatever. So we've just got to find ways to kind of shape the narrative or reshape the narrative to say, yes, you have much more going on. And I'm never going to take away from that. But there are ways that we can start to work within your schedule and start to like, have this mindset shift a little bit to take really easy baby steps. You're not going to go land a million dollar client next week 
you know, but you can get the $1,000 client and then the $50,000 client and then the $100,000 client. And when you pair that with other women going through the same thing, that connection piece, you'll be unstoppable. You'll be unstoppable. Yeah. So I hope that answered your question. I think there's so much there that it's hard to narrow that down sometimes, but I think that's probably the best way I can narrow that down right now. No, and I resonate with that so much because that's a lot of what I walk through with my clients as well, is that it's not, you know, this huge sweeping life change to Mm -hmm. quote unquote schedule yourself, right? To put yourself first in the calendar. It's just small, simple mindset and habit shifts over time consistently that create change. And it's the very, it's the very same thing with building your book of business. It's the same analogy, right? You have to water the garden. You can't, you don't go in the gym one day and cut and walk out with a six pack. Like you have to lay the groundwork and do, you know, I call it like the hustle in the dark, right? It's all the stuff that no one sees all that unsexy stuff, but it's not complicated and it's not hard stuff. So with that said, what is a couple tips that you would say you would offer a woman who maybe is listening to this podcast and is thinking exactly, you know, Molly, that's great. I would love to go build a book of business, but I am on 11 D committees and have, you know, four kids and all this kind of stuff. So what would be some tips that you would give her some actionable items that she could take away today? Yeah, definitely. You know, the time piece, I think you've really got to find an objective person. This is like, again, why I love coaching so much and the power of coaching. And Erin, this is something you could really help with, but it's paring down and getting to what actually matters. So like, if you're serving on all these committees, why? What? Why? What's the purpose of it, right? And all of that gets back to the basics. And this is what I work on with big law New York clients to the small law firm owner in the Midwest. They are all experiencing the same thing, which is we have to get back to the basics. And here's what I mean by that. You have to first know who your ideal client is. And I love asking lawyers this question like, hey, what do you do? And they go, I'm an employment lawyer. And I go, okay, what does that mean? (laughs) Okay. They can't even articulate what kind of employment lawyer they are other than, oh, I'm on the employer side. So I do defense work. It's like, okay, that still doesn't mean anything to me. And it especially doesn't mean anything to that client you're trying to get at. So when we go back to the basics, we have to get language set in place around who's your ideal client? What problem do you specifically solve for that ideal client? And then what is your unique solution you're providing to that problem for your ideal client, right? So even if you're talking about actionable tips today, take 15 minutes and write out who is my ideal client. If you can't even answer that question, that's step one. That's where the work has to come in. And you've got to find someone who can help you dig out or start asking questions of, you know, and honestly, you could even go on to chat GPT at this point and say, how do I figure out who my ideal client is? And they will give you a list of questions to start. You Like if you just need some brainstorming questions, go ask chat GPT. They're your friend. I promise they're not going to replace you, but they are your friend. So, you know, start figuring out who that ideal client is, what problems they have. That's another thing that most lawyers can't answer is what problems are my ideal clients having? If you can't answer that question, you've got to sit down and do the work to figure out what language you should be using around that. And then what is your solution to it, right? So if you have a small business owner who can't afford outside counsel, you know, your general counsel for these small 
I don't know, small, medium-sized businesses, and you specifically deal with employee handbooks. Boom. I know exactly who you are, exactly what you do. And then you add your own sort of special sauce onto it, right? So that would be like a big actionable tip, I would say today. Get back to the basics, answer those questions, get some language around those questions. A second piece that I would say is another really actionable piece from here is then you have to figure out your strengths-based networking is what I call it. So this is for the busy mom with four kids, right? We don't want you going out and just throwing a bunch of crap at the wall to see what sticks, right? We want you to go out and figure out exactly what works within your strengths because that's going to be so much more joyful for you and joyful for your clients. Your clients know when you are not having a good time. And there are plenty of miserable lawyers out there that you can go snatch their business. Easy peasy because they're miserable and their clients know they're miserable and they're not fun to work with. So be someone who brings some joy and fun to the practice of law and you can easily start to bring in some clients that way. So find out what your strengths are. And again, being as practical as I can be here, Aaron, you know, it's going to be, do you like speaking? Are you better one-on-one? Do you like writing? Are you better in groups? Are you like, let's figure out where you're actually good and then let's focus on that and cut out everything else. So that would be another one. The last one I'll mention here, and there's so much we could go into here, but I want to be careful of time, is write down eight to 12 referrals. That is the magic number that gets you a good amount of referrals every year that you need to be making relationships with. Eight to 12 people is your magic number here. So go today, write down eight to 12 people who are potential referrals. And if you're like, Molly, what the hell? I don't even know where to start with writing down who might be my referrals. Go back to who is my ideal client? What other practice areas serve my ideal client? Go meet with them. Go meet with those other practice areas that serve your ideal client. And also make half of those people, your referrals, also in the same practice area. So if I'm in practicing employment law, I want to go make relationships with other lawyers who are practicing employer side employment law because they're going to be conflicted out and they're going to give you these referrals. So they are not your enemy. (laughs) They're not your enemy. They can be your ally. It's just how you build those relationships with them. Again, long-winded, Aaron, but I want to be as practical as I can for you. No, those are outstanding tips. Like that is, that is so great. Getting clear. Yep. Who your ideal client is, how you uniquely serve them, where they live, what they're doing, and to right. then partner and network in your strengths. And it is yep. just so important because that's another way of dispelling this narrative that we need to be doing it all, that women need to be doing it all. Right. Even when it comes down to building your business, you get to right? You are empowered to take stuff off of your list, off of your plate that is not serving you, that is not getting you towards your goal, whether that's, you know, more time with your family or an increase in your paycheck by building your book of business. You have to, right, get into what are your values and your priorities and then acting within that and getting rid of everything else. And just because you're getting rid of things right now while you're building your book of business doesn't mean that you can't come back to them later, right? Right. Just because you're saying no right now and you're delegating right now or you're pushing something off for right now doesn't mean it stays off your plate forever. 
that's right. the beauty of just leaning into this imperfect ebb and flow, right. And letting right. go of the perfection that we somehow need to be like the gold star winner of business building, right? right? Like there's not a contest. There's not a medal. No. You win by doing this uniquely your way. Yes. That is how you become successful is by leaning into your unique superpowers, what you uniquely help people with in a way that nobody else can. Right. And just sitting down and getting quiet enough and getting off the hamster wheel long enough to get that down on paper. So right. it is now in your mind and you can start presenting that forward. But I love that you tie community so much within this. And you said to network with other attorneys in your same practice area. And I'm, some people are probably like, what? Because there is also this ridiculous narrative that has been carried through in the law that somehow we are competition. And I think that women like you and I, and so many other women that are coming to the forefront of the legal community and the profession are like, no, we're not competition. In mm -hmm. fact, you can scale your business quicker and faster and enrich your life in a major way by yep. leaning into your peers, into your network. And logistically, like you just said, they're conflicted out. So they're literally technically not competition. Right. So please talk about this community piece more and how you incorporate that into your business and why that's such an important piece. A few things. I think men have been playing the law as a team sport for a long time, a long time, right? This is where the boys club stuff comes in. I mean, they're playing as a team sport and we are not, at least on a mass scale, right? And that's what we're trying to do. That's what you're trying to do, Erin. That's what I'm trying to do, that we are playing this as a team sport, that we generously lift each other up. We generously provide for each other, give referrals to each other, all sorts of stuff. I saw this post the other day of this guy being like, it's a dog eat dog world. And if you're not fighting for every case that you're getting, you're doing it wrong. And and I just sat there, Aaron, I almost engaged with him. You know, it's that moment where you're on the keyboard and you're like, is this worth my time and energy today? And I decided it wasn't. But that's the narrative we've been given, as you said. And it's just so wrong. It is so wrong. And also, of course, they're miserable. Again, this goes back to like why there's so many miserable lawyers, because they're isolated and they're not connected and they're only swirling around trying to get something from everyone, Right. There's so much more power and I will die on this hill, Erin. Same. <laughs> yes. Same, same. And community, that is going to win out, in my opinion, every single time over competition. Now, look, there are realities to our profession. Yeah, you're all trying to get business. Is there enough for everyone? Yes, there is. You don't have to like show up every day like you're fighting every other lawyer. You can easily say, hey, you know, I got this case in. I don't think this is the right case for me. I would love to give you this case. That is going to have a return on investment tenfold rather than just like hoarding the case and like, I don't know, falling through this case, like tripping over this case that also doesn't serve your client. That's not how we're serving our clients to the best of our ability. Everything that I do in my business is focused around community and connection. That is the second pillar of my business. Like the first pillar is this training and development. The second pillar is community and connection. Because I also know that we are more isolated than we've ever been. And lawyers in particular are so bad at this because we think that we have community because we hang out with our coworkers. Yes. That is not community. 
and it no. provides connection. It totally does. It's important. And I don't want to take away from that, but that is not community. Community is the way that you can build relationships outside of your very siloed firm, right? So reach outside of the firm. And then you can say things like this, Erin, I think we had this conversation last time, but you get to talk to these other women and say, you're getting paid how much? Or your firm gives you a 10% of everything you bring in, or you guys have tampons in the bathroom, or like... There's just so much value in speaking to each other, knowing each other, uplifting each other. I posted about this the other day, but there was a Harvard study that came out recently that said that women make more money when they have a community of other like-minded professionals around them. So like we are literally limiting ourselves in the money that we can make by not engaging in community with each other. Wow. Yeah. And that doesn't surprise me. I mean, the adage of your network is your net worth. Yes. That's always what it is. Like whatever's in your bank account doesn't matter. It is who is in your net work that is going to be able to not only scale your business to like mountaintops, but also enrich your life in a way foundationally that you just can't even, but you're so right. They lawyers think they have community because they're in an office with other attorneys. But in fact, that's just actually reinforcing the exact opposite of what needs to be happening. And I'm just so glad that there are women like you, myself there, and I have met so many other women that will also be, you know, we'll bring them on this podcast as well, which is the purpose of this podcast Mm -hmm. is to bring these stories, women like you to the forefront. So we know that really this connection, and this is what is actually going to make us all powerhouses. This is what makes all the difference. And it's what's going to change the legal profession. I mean, I really, truly believe that. And it needs to change. Again, like I I said this earlier, we know what needs to change. We've got to uplift each other to be able to start making those changes. Yeah, it's the saying like rising tides lift all boats, that type thing. I I mean, we know that change isn't happening from the top down. Because if we're waiting for that to happen, we're going to keep waiting Yep. And waiting and waiting. It's yep. one woman at a time empowering the, her sister beside her, behind her, in front of her right. and doing it again and doing it again and doing it again. And I truly am 100%. I will die on the hill with you. <laughs> this is going to change the legal profession. And I am just, I'm just absolutely thrilled to know that there are other women doing this work. So before we sign off, I have a couple of questions, but I want our audience to know a little bit more about your program. So tell me more about your program that you offer to train in this area. Yeah. So there's three ways that people can connect with me. Um, You can connect with me through one-on-one coaching. Um, I only take a certain amount of people. um, I like open up my quote unquote book um, at certain times throughout the year, uh, because it's important to me that I give as much attention as I can into the success of the people that I'm working with. Um, The second way that people can work with me, and one of the most popular is my eight-week mastermind. So if you're looking for, again, community connection, and you want to meet with like-minded attorneys in the field who are wanting to really take business development seriously, this is the program for you. So for eight weeks, we meet every week. There's life coaching. You get taught a new lesson every time on how to put together your own business development plan. And you're going to walk away from very confused, 
no clarity to really actionable clarity by the end of these eight weeks while getting to know possible referral partners and getting to know other people in the industry. So it's really powerful. It's so much fun. There's a lot of joy in it. We just have fun together. So that's the second way people can work with me. The third way is if you're in Minnesota. So unfortunately, I know you're in Texas area, <laughs> but if you're in Minnesota, I host something called the Coaching Kitchen. And the Coaching Kitchen is a done for you dinner party experience where this is for women only. So this is for women plus attorneys to come together and move away from the like male pale and stale networking events to enter into this very diverse, joyful, feminine, colorful event, right? Where you get coached on a certain topic while also very intimately getting to know other women. And one of my favorite rules, I'll, I'll say this, Erin, because I have rules for the, the events that I host. One of the rules is that for the first 30 minutes during the cocktail hour of the coaching kitchen, you cannot say who you work for, what type of law you practice. You can't say anything about work. So it forces people to show up fully as like a human being and an interesting human being rather than just falling back on, I'm a lawyer and that's my whole personality. Oh my gosh, that's Molly, that. I am obsessed with this. We, you've got to take this on the road, girl. That is- I hope so. That's the dream. Yeah, that's the dream. So we will eventually. Kudos to you. That's freaking incredible. And I love that you are literally forcing people to get outside of their comfort zone because lawyers yeah. almost more than anybody have their identity wrapped so much up in really? their job and their profession. It's like a funny slash, not yeah. funny that you have to make that a rule to like force right. us out of our comfort zone to make us not talk about our job, who we work for or what we're doing, because it is so wrapped up in it. So it's like kind of funny, not funny. Right. I know. <laughs> but I, know. I love that. That's a rule. Okay. Before we sign off, I always ask my guests two questions. So I'm going to ask these of you as well. If there's one thing you could go back and tell your younger lawyer self, what would it be? This is a great question, Erin. And I have like a million things running through my brain of what I would tell my young lawyer self. You're like, um, how much time do we have on the podcast? <laughs> I know. I know. I know. I think I would tell her that it's just as important to carve out your own path as it is to become a great lawyer. And I think there's so much focus when you're a young lawyer, especially in firms, to just conform to like get in line with this path and this, you know, what success looks like here and all of that sort of stuff, rather than really taking the time to not only be a great lawyer, but also learning what makes you, you in this profession. I wish I had spent more time on that sooner because I was a type A perfectionist. I just wanted to fit in and be a great lawyer. And that didn't serve me. So I would tell myself to, to take the time to learn what makes you, you in this profession. That's beautiful. And I resonate with that so much. Yeah. Okay. Next and last question. What is your unique superpower? My unique superpower is the ability to create community. That is my soul's cry in this world, as you've heard throughout this whole podcast. And it's just the thing that no matter where I go, it follows me. And it's just what I love to do. And I love creating those spaces. So I think that's my superpower. Amazing. That is a beautiful superpower to have. Molly, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Where can people find you if they want to get in touch with you? Yeah. Thank you, Erin. This was so much fun. And I just love what you're doing. So thanks for having me on here. People can come and find me at Molly Huff Esquire. And Huff is spelled H-O-U-G-H. I always tell people it's like rough or tough. So Molly Huff Esquire, you can find me on on Instagram or LinkedIn are really the two places that I interact. 
So come Okay, awesome. Yes, awesome. Well, I'll drop all that in the show notes. I'll also drop the information for your program, for your mastermind program. So again, Molly, thank you so much for being on the show. If you loved this episode, take a screenshot, tag Molly and I on Instagram. Let us know why you loved it and share this with a friend, share this with a fellow woman in the law who needs it. If you've listened this far in the podcast, you are a woman who wants to see other women win. So tag a sister in the law, let her know that she's not alone and just give her some love today. So have a great rest of your day, night, wherever you're tuning in and I'll see you next time. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening into the Powerhouse Lawyers podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you catch your podcasts. If you loved this episode, I would be so honored if you left a review. And because I know you are the type of woman who wants to see other women win, be sure to share this episode with someone who needs it. By sharing it, you are empowering a fellow sister in the law to know that she is not alone, there is nothing wrong with her, and that she can build a life and career that she loves. See you next time.